Welcome to the Hex Knight Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Ivan. And tonight we're going to be navel-gazing a little, because uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about formative, um, sort of our introductions personally for each of us, um, I think, to fantasy, like as a concept, and as a genre, as a, as a thing, and how that led into gaming or the other way around, and kind of like our formative like gaming experiences. Um, mm-hmm. So in nerd circles, especially in like OSR circles, there's this concept called Appendix N, and it refers to uh, the back of the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide, the original one, and there was a little section. It was part N in the appendix. There was a lot of appendices in this book. Uh, and Gary Gygax explained, like, he had kind of, like, the list of stuff that, like, influenced and inspired him for Dungeons and & Dragons. And a lot of it is kind of like the what is now seen as, like, very classical fantasy. So it's Conan the Barbarian. It's, like, uh, Elreg of Melnabone, um, Fafford and the Mouser. You know, that's a big list. Like, sure. if, you, if you read any blog um, on the OSR, like, people will regurgitate that stuff endlessly. Um, and people will occasionally put together, like, oh, what's your, like, personal appendix and, like, what kind of stuff, like, was formative for you? Because um, it can be very different, you know, depending on... And we have the unique... Uh, advantage the two of us uh, for this purpose that while we're close to the same age, we did grow up a couple years apart, um, and mm-hmm. we grew up a continent apart. Like, I grew up in Denmark, you grew up in the United States on yep. the West Coast. So, you know, our exposures to things were pretty different. And, you know, everyone, depending, all kind of went through this in a different way. So, we thought it would be an interesting topic, and everyone likes to talk about themselves. I do, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool to like compare and contrast our, our starting points and that how that influenced. Yeah, and I'll admit I like reading these stories from people too, because uh, sometimes mm. it reminds me of stuff that I had forgotten that I liked. <laughs> so it's nice to see like, oh man, I remember that. That was really cool, you know. Sure. <laughs> or just hear about stuff you never like, you know. Just everyone, uh, everyone had their own path. This stuff. Yeah. Um. So. If we sort of divide it up into like three time periods, um, if we say like pre pre gaming era, before you got exposed to the idea of role playing games, uh, what kind of stuff uh, that would sort of be like fantasy, fantasy adjacent adventure stuff, uh, you know, movies, books, comics, things like that. What kind of stuff like do you recall that was like that left in the that you were into as a kid or that left like an impression or that you could get a library or whatever the case was. Oh, sure. Sure. So for me, it goes back pretty far. Uh, my dad was a public school teacher and he was big on getting us to read and mm-hmm. he was like telling us stories and stuff. So I think for me, it started was like a preschool or maybe kindergarten. And he told me the story of like, some parts of like Beowulf and especially like, the oh, battle nice. with the, the Grendel, like, really got my attention. So so one of my earliest memories is, like, asking, like, hey, can we actually get the original story? Like, I, I want to hear this whole thing. So we went uh-huh. to the library and asked them about you know, getting a hold of that. I, I don't think they had it. Um, uh-huh. But, I mean, there was, there was a ton of stuff. Like, I'm 43, so let's see... Um, I mean, when I was coming up, like Disney was really in their full powers, mm. kind of 
kidding like the things height of like classic story. Disney, right? Yeah, yeah. When it was still most like fairy tales. Exactly. So, like, I think a lot of people my age were pretty blown away by the the Rats of Nim movie, mm-hmm. and that had a really strong fantasy element to it. Oh, absolutely! Like I've rewatched it like many years later, and it's very much like a classic, like adventure tale, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, like, there's the old wise, wise mouse, and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and you have the quest like, and everything. And I remember as a kid being like that movie. I enjoyed it a lot, but it also kind of terrified me. Like, there's parts that are pretty scary. At least there like, are <laughs> a little and, kid. That ties into another. Like I was into that man. I I guess mm-hmm. I've always had kind of a a darker sensibility. Like the other, the one that really had the biggest impact on me was the the Black Cauldron, mm-hmm. and it actually did not do very well. I think a lot of people haven't seen it, but like I I was just totally sucked in by kind of the well. I for one, it's it's based in like kind of a a well Welsh cultural. Paradigm, so I, I can't pronounce any of the names of <laughs> the characters, but they, they're always like they're all like multi dimensional, like striking characters. And then you had the horned king who's like uh-huh. calling up an army of the undead, and that's the first time I was ever exposed to anything like that. And I was like seven or eight years old, and I it yeah, was just so like, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was into it, man. I thought the, the horned king was actually the coolest thing ever, and of mm-hmm. course, there was like he-man to go alongside that we love that stuff too but oh, really yeah. seeing that in like the movie theater just he-man like struck was, a chord um, he-man was weird because it was i at least for me that was the first time i ever saw something that like mixed fantasy and science fiction because they always <laughs> had like speeder bikes and stuff but then they would like fight swords with a dragon and it and it was never really like explained at least not that i paid attention to as a kid you know we were just you know like they had all these cool characters and they were really expensive so like you had to make friends with like the rich kid if you wanted to play with them right <laughs> like everyone had like one or two and then you had like the rich asshole had like the castle gray skull and like 200 dudes right <laughs> <laughs> you know and who, he was always like a shit he wanted to like be skeletor or whatever oh sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you know um but yeah that was man i remember uh being a kid and see reading a comic book magazine and being excited about the uh masters of the universe movie Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't see it for like uh, probably 15 years. And then I saw it as a young adult. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that in the theater either. No, I would have. I'm sure as a kid, I would have shit my pants like watching it in the theater. Um, right. <laughs> so it's one of those movies that's so terrible and I want to like it. I keep like meaning to just sit and watch it again and again until I enjoy it. <laughs> just to like satisfy like uh, like nine year old me. Like it was worth it, man. It was worth it. All came out. It all happened. Right. So, so then what's your starting point? <laughs> so, uh, an awful lot of my starting point is like our. Uh, uh, Danish literature teacher, because um, she was this uh, very granola m- mom type, uh, and she loved she loved doing like arts and crafts, and uh, mm-hmm. she loved uh, reading to us. So we would always have these projects where we would be doing something. We would be like drawing letters, or we would practice handwriting, or whatever you do, you know, in like second, third, fourth grade, right? Sure, sure. And she would read to us, uh, and she would read. Um, 
And it would just be everything uh, she would read, especially um, there's a Swedish author, Esther Lindgren, who writes like uh, children's, nowadays we would call it children's fantasy, but I don't know if that was really a thing at the time. They're kind of like uh, adventure stories with a lot of them were like kids who ended up in fantastical worlds and they had to like go, you know, do stuff. And it was yeah. very sort of. Um, and she would read, like, uh, Old Testament stories. She would read, like, stories from, like, Nordic mythology. It was just anything that was, like, a good story. Yeah. Um, so we always got this. And that left, like, a really big impact on me. Like, this idea of these, like, fantastical worlds and fantastical things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know nowadays, and it, um, there's all sorts of, like, uh, conundrums around, like, you know, like, reading Bible stuff in school. But that was never, like, a factor like uh bear in mind that in the danish school system you at least at the time you had like uh classes in christianity that was just like built in so it wasn't like a thing mm-hmm. people flinched at um but it was just like a first little kiss like it was just like these stories of like crazy stuff you know like story of, like uh samson who like loses his strength when his hair gets cut and, right <laughs> and, and then like next to that would be like the story of like how the norse mythology like the creation of the world from like a cow that licks a stone and stuff <laughs> uh so there's all these like dramatic uh stories um and then i remember reading probably kids versions uh, but i remember having a like a compilation of Robin Hood stories that I loved and I read over and over again. Uh, and I remember probably in a very abridged and translated version of uh, Ivanhoe, uh, which I everyone kept joking at me because my name is Ivan. Uh, so I think as a kid, I felt like I had to read it just to figure out what, why they kept saying it. And I was like, oh, this dude is cool as shit. Nice. <laughs> but it was a lot of that sort of like classic, like old fashioned, like medieval, like adventure story kind of stuff. And then yeah. these like mythological stories that was really like, and that sounds very highbrow, but like to us, it was just stories. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty limited in, uh, we didn't get to watch that many movies at home because uh, uh, my parents were very like specific about like anything they thought would be scary. So I had to like, sneak off to friends' houses. Um, <laughs> I remember a uh, legend leaving a big impact on a youthful me. Uh, and that must have been, I think that came out like mid 80s uh, and I may not have seen mm-hmm. it. I know I saw it like on, on a friend's like VHS tape like you did back then. Uh, I remember Lady, Lady Hawk being a movie I really loved. Um, and I rewatched it later. We've talked about Lady Hawk before and the amazing like synth soundtrack. It's <laughs> it is like the worst soundtrack for a fantasy movie ever. Um, but that whole idea, you know, like you have the um, the knight with a curse and he's like traveling through the land to get revenge and he gets like the thief as a sidekick and that was like right up uh, right up that kind of alley. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so a lot of um, sort of like classic, like semi, like pulp medieval, you know, um, writing, uh, sort of children's adventure stories and like mm. religious stuff, really, like mythology and other things. Yeah, that I was think sort like, of the. Uh, just a couple mm-hmm. years later, like I, I went through all the Narnia books. I didn't read Narnia until somewhat later, and I never had a lot of people I know. Like Narnia was like a really um, like foundational like experience for them. They read it when they were mm-hmm. very young, and it left a big impact. And I didn't read it until some I was a bit older, and it kind of didn't have as much of that impact for me, uh, which I kind of regret a little bit because I would have liked liked it to. Um, Ender's Game is like that for me too. I didn't read it until I was like nineteen, and then I didn't really enjoy it that much. But I think mm-hmm. if I'd read it as a kid, like my kid read it when he was twelve, and he loved it because that's wow. it's it's you know. 
I mean, it's, an, it's more like a teenager bird, but he's a pretty sharp cookie. Nice. Well, yeah, there's that whole section with, like, the the twins, and then that, mm. that gets pretty dark. For yeah, I mean, he's a, yeah, like, he's a pretty sharp kid, and, you know, like, kids have an amazing ability to, like, take things they understand out of a text, and then kind of, like, gloss over the bits that are, like, a little bit too much for them. Right, right. And then, you know, like, you come back to it years later, and like, oh, okay, I understand it now. I Like, I get it. Um, yeah. So, which is why I have no problems, like, giving more grown-up stuff uh, to my kid, because for the most part, like, they just kind of, like, figure it out, you know? Like, yeah. Just kind of, like, the stuff that they don't quite understand, it just kind of becomes, like, background. They just focus on the stuff that's that, like, means something to them. I remember doing that. Mm-hmm. Certain things. I, I oh, did. absolutely. Like, I remember, yeah, like, a lot of things. I was always, so, I couldn't watch, like, a lot of TV as a kid, but I was always allowed to read almost anything. Uh, so I read, like, and I was a pretty good reader, um, so I read well above grade level, and I read it well mm-hmm. above, like, maturity level. So, like, <laughs> there was always this experience, a good library get, like, any book, and they would be full of, like, violence and sex and, like, really, like, uh, serious, like, grown-up concepts. Right. Uh, and then, you know, like, for a long time, the only thing you could watch on TV was stuff that was what we would now, like, definitely call, like, PG-13. Sure. <laughs> so, it was always, like, a, a weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a hold of some, like, uh, like the Rama books, pretty young. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, it's the same thing. Like, I think it's like, man, these aliens, uh, just the, the sense of, like, exploration and the ships and mm-hmm. that sort of thing really stuck out. So oh, absolutely, fun. yeah. And I think it also, for a certain kind of, like, and I don't mean to be, sound like a dork but like kids they're you know like there's kids who are very like just in the moment and very like tangible in what they're interested in and what they're into and there's kids who are kind of like like to daydream and think about like crazy stuff uh, yeah and i think for that for kids like that like you know books can be really because uh, you kind of have to like sit and think about it you have mm-hmm. to like imagine it and i remember like yeah just like losing myself like i would never be i enjoy like playing with my friends but if like it was just a day nobody could play i would just like sit on my couch and read i was happy with that totally I mean, like i was a fucking nerd but <laughs> you know like <laughs> I, I was a pretty happy nerd with that yeah um so what was your um introduction to the concept of gaming uh and specifically you know like um role-playing and role-playing sort of adjacent stuff um where did that kind of, and when, if you can pin it down, but that's difficult when it's like kid stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Probably when it was like 10 or 11, other kids were getting into it. Uh-huh. And all that, I think at the, let's see, there was like the Dungeons and Dragons animated TV show. Part <laughs> of the Saturday morning lineup. Right. And so that, that you know that sparked my imagination i mean that was just part of the whole thing with like at that point i had read the hobbit and i'd gone through the narnia books and Uh i was really stoked on that stuff we had like a big acre of open field behind our house so you know i'd run around with my brother out there and we'd be playing like adventures and stuff like that Uh um and I, I think my cousin got a hold of some actual Dungeons and Dragons books, and you know, I heard about that, and I was like uh-huh. asking my parents, and they told me no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think it was like a money thing at that point. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't like the uh, Satanic Panic because that was still kind of like I think up to like late eighties. That was still kind of a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it was during that time, and mm-hmm. I think they kind of talked about it a little bit. But my my mom is pretty was always pretty liberal, and they, I think they figured out oh it's it's a game, yeah. you know, it's just like fantasy, and we check out all sorts of like stuff adjacent to that like that so yeah i got into like yeah um i got into the lone wolf books Uh first i would say that's like the closest thing i had to like role-playing initially and they had the advantage that it didn't depend on anyone else you know yeah yeah totally totally is introduction to like managing stats and making Uh important choices right like a symbol like dice system and stuff Right, right. They had the table in the back of the book and fighting (laughs) guys and managing the inventory. (laughs) Being a kid and looking at that table and going, because I had a, I don't know where I got it from. I remember having a set of RPG dice really early uh, before, I think like my mom had just bought them because they were just funny dice and they were in the toy store. Uh, So I remember having them and I remember looking at that table in the back and it's like, it's labeled from zero to nine and looking at my little D10. I was like, oh. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. House rules. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So Lone Wolf in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm guessing for the time that would be like uh, some version of like the red box, like the basic box. Mm -hmm. Do you remember... Do you remember if it had like uh, like the two books or if it was one that was one book in the box? I think when I I got the actual box set actually when I was like a freshman in high school. Um, I think one, it like with the dragon on it. Yep. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Um, that's the first one I saw, which is the one that was translated into Danish. Nice. Um, it has like the barbarian dude like fighting the dragon. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got the horn helmet. You gotta have the horn helmet, like the fur underwear. Yep, exactly. Like if, you're gonna, if you're gonna go fight like a fire breathing monster, <laughs> your, your first speedo that'll protect you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I thought it did have uh, more than one book in that box. Yeah, I think that box does. I think that was when they separated. They had like a player's book, which had like all the stuff. Like mm-hmm. the characters, and there was like a game ma- or dungeon master book, which had like a little. I think if I remember it right, uh, there was like one level of a dungeon, and then there was like the map for level two, and you, right. you were supposed to like fill it in yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, which I think like every kid just like looked up the biggest dragon, just like put like a hundred dragons in each room in the second <laughs> level, and then play it like you know, be a dick to your friends, right. <laughs> That's how uh, how most of those things. I remember uh, <laughs> the first time I met another kid who played Dungeons and Dragons. I was so excited. Um, it was like the cousin of a friend of mine, um, and they and they were like um, he was uh, talking about like all these dungeons he had made, and one of them was like the the it was like the dragon dungeon, and it was just like uh, it was a t- castle, and like every tower and every like. Uh, Part of the castle just had like a hundred dragons of each color. So like there was like the white dragon tower, and there's a hundred white dragons you have to fight. And you go to like the blue <laughs> dragon tower. 
I was like, wow, that is, even as a kid, I thought that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'd, you know, you have to like fight them or something or. Yeah. It's... I don't think that game, that particular dungeon like ever got played first of I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Lone Wolf is a uh, common jump off point. Uh, so my introduction to um, role playing was absolutely through uh, game books. As mm -hmm. I guess they're like formally called uh, fighting fantasy, which in Denmark we call Sverdsholdan, which literally means sword and sorcery, and it's actually a better title than fighting fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a bunch of those, um, about half the series got translated to Danish, but it was mostly all the early ones, which are the best ones anyway. Cool. Uh, and then yeah, Lone Wolf, which I never understood. So the first two Lone Wolf books are kind of their own story. You go like. You end up getting like the magic sword, and you like defeat the big bat, right? And then after that, it like sp spirals off into this whole thing. And I never realized there were more than those two because that's the only two that were ever translated. So uh -huh. when I was an adult and find out like there's like forty of them, uh, so I and it's a series that I still really enjoy. Like I'm playing through them right now with my kid. You know, I'll read them. He'll make the choices, and we'll you know roll dice and stuff, and they're really good. Um, you can play play all of them on uh, Project Aeon is the website. Nice. Uh, before he passed away, the author, Joe Dever, uh, gave the rights to all of the published books at that point that they could just be published for free and non-profit, which is really cool. Yeah. So he was a nerd until the, the last. <laughs> uh, but Fighting Fantasy and Lone Wolf was really like my foundational thing. And I absolutely like lifted those books. You know, I would just sit on, I remember like I would sit on the floor and I would have the book on my bed and along with like my little hand drawn, like, because my mom would like yell at me if I tried to like write on the little character sheet that was in the books. So I would like <laughs> meticulously like draw it on paper. And I remember specifically asking to get like a gridded paper, not graph paper, just like paper with like the, the blue grid on it. Mm -hmm. So I could like make little boxes for like your skill and your stamina and your items. <laughs> cool. Uh, and I would like make a bunch of those on like a rainy day and then I would have them to like pull out. Uh, and I just didn't play these books. And I just, mm -hmm. I loved the atmosphere of it. And I kind of think that they kind of like cemented a lot of what would become like my preferences in uh, gaming. Um, mm -hmm. Like L Lone Wolf was always very like, it had this like, uh, even though there were like epic stories fighting like the Dark Lords and all these creatures and monsters, but they also took place in this like very like medieval world that felt like very realized. Mm hmm. Um, and fighting fantasy was always very like almost like fantasy horror. There was always like weird creatures, and it was very easy to die. And like your character had to kind of like make do with their wits and their skills. Sure. Um, so I think they kind of like cemented a lot of ideas of like what game, what characters should be like, and what like games should be like. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember uh, the first sort of proper introduction to a role playing game. Uh, we actually kind of like invented role playing in a way. Because uh, a bunch of my friends were into the same books. Because, you know, it was the sort of like mid-late 80s. And, like, that shit was cool. Like, check it out. Here's this book. And if you, like, make the wrong choice, like, a goblin eats your eyes. Right. <laughs> like, that was pretty powerful in a world with, like, really crappy video games. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so we would, like, tell these stories to each other. Like, make them up. And then, like, oh, like, there's a thousand minotaurs in this room. Like, do you want to blah, blah, blah. And very quickly, like, we realized we didn't want to, like, come up with the, the options of what you could do. So we would just say, oh, you can do whatever. So we sort of, like, invent, invented this, like, system-free, like, role-playing that we would play in, like, um, every time we went on, like, school trips, 
or like it, yeah it was like a whole thing uh there was a bunch of kids too it was like a um so yeah like in a way i ended up like jamming from like a really early age wow uh, i don't remember anything about those games i re- vaguely remember that i was stealing from like fighting fantasy books as much as i could and trying sure. to like borrow all the encounters that i knew from any book my friends hadn't read mm-hmm. so um so it was wild but yeah that was kind of like my introduction to gaming like later um there was a fighting fantasy book that was supposed to be like uh turn it into a role-playing game so you could play with multiple people it had like two dungeons in it that was like that was the first sort of like proper formal like role-playing game that i ever read i think nice uh and it was basically just the exact same game like (laughs) as regular fighting fantasy you could just play it like you know as an rpg and had like a little dungeon with like traps and stuff in it like it tried to kind of like show you what a dungeon could be like um that did you ever have the uh, hero quest board game yeah yeah okay because <laughs> that was like absolutely on everyone everyone i knew had a copy of that that was like <laughs> the coolest game we had ever seen um because that was kind of like even though i it didn't have like character progression or anything but it was kind of like you know like you get to pick a character uh you got mm-hmm. to go explore this dungeon it had you know like little miniatures at a time when that wasn't board games didn't used to come with that stuff right you know people forget now when we have like really cool board games being kickstarted like on a monthly basis full of miniatures well that <laughs> used to like if you got anything better little cardboard stands or like tokens you were doing pretty good and these were like legit minis mm-hmm. you know and you could like make your own quests which i did and no none of my friends wanted to play them because they thought i was going to cheat <laughs> 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 i remember um the one time i talked into it i had a trap which is like a jumping boulder that would go to like it would roll, you would roll a die for how many squares it would jump, and if it landed on you, you got splattered. And oh, all my friends dude. were like, that's, that's stupid, we don't want to play this. <laughs> right, we're out. <laughs> yeah, let's Done. just go back to playing the quest in the book. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Play so, that so your quest was a big... What's that? Oh, I was saying I would play that game with my dad. Like, he would actually get involved in that. Yeah, my grandfather would play it with me. Um, and he was really <laughs> into it. And we would, he would basically just like, run the whole party because we figured out pretty soon that there was no like scaling for the number of characters you were just right. supposed to bring all of them um but yeah we would play that all the time um i never had any of the expansions i found out like years later there was like all this extra stuff for it but... yeah i didn't know that either <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was that, a big deal the original uh, game was enough by itself i thought mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, from what I've understood, like, some expansions were sold in the UK only, some were only sold in the US, so no matter where you live, you couldn't get all the stuff anyway. Ah. Uh. <clears throat> um, and then, um, I don't know how I got this. Um, I don't know how anyone, like, figured it out. Uh, but at some point, uh, my parents, I think for a birthday, got me a copy of Draco Oktamona, which is... Um, a Swedish fantasy role-playing game. It had been translated into Danish in, I think, 88 or something like that. Yeah, you brought that um, up a couple times. Yeah, and that was the first real RPG I owned. It came in a black box. It, I remember the box so vividly because it's exceptionally <laughs> striking. It has uh, um, The cover art is Michael Whalen, one of Michael Whalen's like, drawings of uh, Elric with Stormbringer. Cool. Like, holding the sword. So it has this super striking, like, just metal as fuck. <laughs> like, literally, it's been used for, like, uh, metal al- album covers, too. 
<laughs> uh, it had like the title in this cool font. And you pu- pulled it open. It has like the rule book and in black with the, the title in red. So it looks really like ominous. Um, and it had these like uh, cardboard cutouts for you, your dudes. And it had like mm-hmm. a little uh, map and two adventures in it. And that was like it. Like I was from that point on opening that box was like the coolest thing I had ever owned in my entire life. Like as a whatever, nine year old. <laughs> and what really stood out to me, because uh, we a little bit after uh, we also got access to the library uh, I used to go to as a kid had a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Oh, um, and a lot of it was because they would get like Dragon Magazine, they would get AD&D books. But that was kind of like above my head because, you know, like nine-year-olds and didn't speak that good English. They did have the Danish version of the Red Box. So I understood what Dungeons & Dragons was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing that always stood out to me with DOD uh, was that the tone in the book in the back, it had like a little section about how to run a game. And it had all these admonishments that you were supposed to make like... um, a realistic campaign world and if like if the players were trying to like kill everything then like you should take steps to like deal with them and you had this like <laughs> and you know like that went over the heads of any kids because all the games we played as kids were just like fucking murdering orcs yeah yeah it's um, just a crazy free-for-all and yeah exactly how many how many dudes can you kill what's the sickest magic guy you can get yeah <laughs> uh but i think in a way like having that stuff in the book always left this kind of impression that there was like this idea of like what a quote a real role playing game was, mm-hmm. and there was always this idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool one day to do this? Like, wouldn't it be cool one day to play a game where like everyone's character has a real name? You know, sure. <laughs> and you know, um, so that was a really powerful like uh, thing, and that was for a long time. That was just the only RPG thing I owned, along with my copy of HeroQuest. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have the book actually; um, it's on my shelf somewhere. I don't have the adventure or the box anymore, but I have the book. Nice. So it is well beaten up, and it still has the address I lived in at the time. I went and looked up the house in the Google Maps the other day. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that was kind of my introduction to to role to gaming as a whole, and like what became role playing really. Um, yeah. Now, how much did you read comics as a as a kid or as a teenager? Well, I mean, I. I got sucked into the Rob Leefield boom. Okay. So, because so, I never read superhero comics as a kid, I was familiar with them and friends like mm-hmm. had, you know, like uh, mostly Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was never like, for some reason as a kid, I was a shithead, I guess. Uh, I just thought superheroes were kind of boring. Like, I ended up appreciating them much later. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'd never had that like formative experience. Like, a lot of people had, you know, growing up on like Spider Man and the Punisher and things like that. Well, yeah, it, like, I was, like I said, man, like, I, I came out of, like, this, like, dark, grim fantasy thing, starting with, like, the Horn King from the Black Cauldron, right. and there's an element to that with, like, when you run into the big bad guys in, like, the Lone Wolf games, mm. they aren't messing around either, and they're generally covered in spikes and skulls, and so it's, Yeah, like, or, like, they're, like, crazy undead things with, like, cloaks on them. Yeah, you know, so like, like screaming I, at you. And... Yeah, I was getting into like metal imagery before I knew what heavy metal music was at all. <laughs> Just was... born, born to be metal. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> no, I get what you mean though. Like, yeah. you know, it's also that feeling like when you're a little kid and you see something that's like 
gets cool and it's kind of dangerous. Yeah. And like you have that feeling deep in your gut. Like, is is this supposed to be okay? Like, am I supposed to be like seeing this? You know? Yeah. Like, it's, kinda, it's like you kind of like want to hide it, you know? Well, like, yeah, that's totally a, what the comic books of that era were. They were pushing the edge of PG 13. Mm-hmm. And there's some like suggestions of adult subject matter, especially with like the image books with like spawn. Oh and, yeah. Um, spawn was really, uh, was definitely like uh wild for the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that really related to like, that was just like some crazy aggro stuff that was around. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Um, it doesn't really, for me, that doesn't gel in with, like, the role-playing game stuff mm-hmm. that I'd actually been into for quite a while longer. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, my, I don't know, there's also, like, the the Tolkien kind of mm-hmm. thing that, that always played into my role-playing game sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the bad guys would be really dark and fiendish, but then you've got, like, a a solid party of noble characters that would always mm-hmm. kind of try to stand up for something. Yeah. Like the, sort of like the, the um, sort of subconscious assumption of like some sort of morality to the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a very Tolkien kind of thing that there's like, there's a clear like right and wrong answer to many situations. Yeah. But not, but not all. Right. Um, I only had a couple people to play with mm. for was like my brother and then a really good friend who's really into drawing fantasy yeah, yeah. stuff. So it's always like the one kid in class who's like disgustingly good at drawing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> there were a couple of people I knew like that. And, but yeah, he was a really quiet guy. He was always, we'd always just talk about weird imaginative stories and creative things we're working on and, Mess with that, and he, yeah, he's always drawn. Nice. Uh, the reason I ask is because fantasy comics did play a big role for me, um, mm. and I think sort of coincidentally, uh, because while Denmark doesn't have that much of a comic uh, culture, uh, mm-hmm. we received almost all of like the French and Belgian comics, mm. uh, and those two countries have like a, you know, um, a legendary uh, comic book culture, especially for like uh, fantasy. Co- type of stuff um but it's always difficult for me to like i had to look up like a bunch of stuff because i uh the danish versions receive translations of course but they also the titles always change mm-hmm. um so i had to like you know uh but there was stuff like the uh like night Persevan, which was this like uh semi-dark it wasn't really like dark and gritty but it was, it was definitely like it felt dark from a like kid's perspective sure uh, like night adventuring tale this night had to go on quests and stuff and there was like a uh, the evil sorceress that he was kind of like in love with but she was evil and he was good and you know <laughs> like it felt like a, a, a deep thing for like a little kid um, mm-hmm. uh, the like Valerian and Laureline comics uh, which I guess became like uh, there was a Valerian and something something city of a thousand somethings recently the movie yeah yeah that rings um, a bell um, you know, and we had a little exposure to some of the like British, like 2000 AD stuff, like Judge Dredd and Slain and sure. some of that stuff. <laughs> uh, but that stuff was like, you know, the super wild stuff. Um, but that was kind of a, cause like, um, 
the library always had comic books. And that was a big thing as well for me as a kid. Uh, so I kind of like ended up in this like melange of like nerd, sort of primordial nerd soup that was kind of like a <laughs> bubbling. Um, sure. <laughs> but unlike a lot of people, uh, I didn't really encounter most sort of legit fantasy writing or fantasy literature until after I had already been exposed to games. Um, hmm. And like to me, stuff like Tolkien, when I found that, uh, and I found, you know, stuff like David Eddings and like Dragonlance, um, to me, there, it was always like, oh, these books or novels are like the games I'm interested in. Which, <laughs> like for Dragonlance, that's literally the case. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, it, so it was this weird thing because like a lot of people my age are like a, a little bit older, um, started reading fantasy first and then they discovered like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I kind of ended up in the opposite way. Like, I got interested in fantasy because I had played, like, Lone Wolf and I had my DoD box set and stuff like that. Cool. Um, and then, and especially, yeah, like, Tolkien was the big one, obviously. Uh, I remember being in love with Dragonlance. Um, I recently tried to reread it and got halfway through and decided that I was just going to let, like, teenage me be in love with it and leave <laughs> it there. Uh, uh, David Eddings, like the Eliniad, and I forget, he's got a bunch of like trilogies and stuff. He's yeah. kind of, he's a very like workhorse fantasy writer, but he's always kind of like just fun and enjoyable. Um, sure. Uh, and a lot of stuff like that. Although notably, um, a lot of these sort of like super like classics of fantasy uh, writing, like uh, Jack Vance and Michael Moorcock and stuff like that, mm -hmm. I didn't read until like many years after. Um, I don't know if they were just not available like at the libraries I went to as a kid because that was like 99% of the books I got was from the library mm -hmm. or if I just never like Same. picked them up or like I vaguely remember picking up like uh, bros and stuff like that um, but yeah so like Eddings, Tolkien and uh, you know like Dragonlands uh, Margaret Weiss and some of the other like D&D fiction but I never liked the other rest of them all that much that was kind of like my sort of coming of age like fantasy writing cool yeah, uh, I was always, I don't, I can't pinpoint when or where it happened, but I was always, mm -hmm. I became pretty skeptical at a young age of, of like, licensed mm -hmm. uh, books. Like, I don't. Yeah, I think even as a kid, you could kind of tell that they were sort of, like, maybe just trying to sell the product. Yeah, yeah. So, I like, yeah, I didn't get into Dragonlance until much later. Maybe I mm -hmm. saw some, like, video game licensed movies and i would look at the covers of these books like no <laughs> yeah like um especially at the time like video game licensed uh, or movie license for games always just meant like a platformer you know like a yeah. platformer yeah. and they're always like kind of bad like yeah you know, maybe one or two i remember like lethal weapon had a pretty good one but that was the <laughs> exception certainly <laughs> um so once I got, I remember we moved to a different town and I made new friends there uh, and I found, you know, whatever was the nerd kids there. And that's when we started playing AD&D and it was specifically AD&D second edition. I didn't play first edition until like after the fact, many years later. Mm -hmm. So I, I skipped like a whole like snippet there, uh, but they had that. And I remember like I asked my parents and my parents were like, oh, those books are really expensive because again, you know, they were English books and you had to get them. You know, oh, sure. Right. So they were expensive at the bookstore. And then one day, like I came home, my grandparents had gotten for me. It was the three books. <clears throat> like the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master Guide, and the not the binder that a lot of people have, uh, but the actual like hardcover monster manual, the big thick one. 
Nice. And they're, you know, like you see it, they're these like, they're gorgeous books. They have all these like full color, like full page artwork and just whatever, like 600 pages of this stuff in English. And I just remember sitting like all weekend because I had to go to my grandparents um, that weekend. And I would just spend all weekend sitting on the couch and just reading these books or trying to read them, you know, like spelling my way through it with my like whatever fifth grade or sixth grade English skills. I get it. and it was just like this again it was one of those like really i almost like remember that more fondly than any game i actually played for the books um <laughs> but after that like that kind of became the thing like ad and d second edition was like the game we played for a really long time mm-hmm. uh, i remember we got a hold of a call of cthulhu book from somewhere uh we thought that was really wild but none of us really like understood how to run that like the idea of running like a horror game was just beyond us Sure. <laughs> so we fought a bunch of monsters and just like died because that's how it goes. <laughs> um, that was like uh, I like the growing up period of like when we started when it wasn't just like you know like gather up like your two weird friends that are also into it because you live in mm-hmm. a little town and that's what you got. Um, and kind of moving to like oh these are people who are like there's other kids who like are into this stuff and like they also make characters too you know like. Did you have that kind of a like transition well, experience, I guess? Yeah, I mean people like the the people in my grade weren't really into it by the mm-hmm. time I was like really hitting my stride. Mm-hmm. Uh by the time I get got to like uh like 16, by the age of 16, mm-hmm. I started meeting other like other people that were into it, younger people. I was mm-hmm. stuck in the same town for like my entire youth. Right, um, right. And yeah, like they had books that I didn't have access to. So yeah, we started organizing some games. Um, mm-hmm. The next game, I'm not like, I think I went to like a bookstore and we stumbled upon some platinum stuff. And I mean, yeah, that that's, like, that right, like, right. Uh, <laughs> sugar-covered, uh, like, right. That's like sugar covered, like rat trap for a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we stumbled upon that and struggled, struggled, you know, you just have like mad capped. Yeah. yeah, Nonsense sessions of arguing (laughs) and like, nobody really understands the rules, but you're all like trying to like, you know, (laughs) it looks like, like I've said before, like, I think there's like one or two, you could take one or two setting ideas from those books and just like, Make mm. a cool thing with GURPS mm. out of that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I still I still got my copy of Rifts. I would never play it, but like... Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, like, yeah, one of those things you just don't let go of. Yeah, yeah. So and Some fond memories of, like, some out-of-control, ridiculous <laughs> games, which is what it's made for. Yeah, it's, like, custom-made for, like, a teenage kid, you know? Yep. Like, it's just got that, like, everything is, like, cool because it has skulls on it. Right? <laughs> you know, it's got that vibe. It's, like, a early Warhammer or something like that. Yeah, but, um, I mean, even back then, like, a, like a, we'd be going through, and it's, like, none of the, some of these characters are useless, and someone would, like, <laughs> joke about, you know, sending the homeless bum off to right. fight the juicer, and just, like, having the whole, like, juicer class like yeah we're all on crazy drugs i know like uh, <laughs> i remember seeing that we saw riffs like a bit later and we thought like mm-hmm. wow this is the wildest shit we've ever seen <laughs> um it's out of control yeah it was uh i wish i had got seen that earlier um mm-hmm. 
because <laughs> I'm I, I would one hundred percent have been like into it. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so the I guess like the final like stage and like the youthful development remember uh, <laughs> is what I would call like the settling in, mm-hmm. which is kind of the point where like the youthful stupidity has gone out of it. And we're starting to have, like, games that, in hindsight, many of them were still bad. But, like, they're starting to be, like, more legitimate games that act. Like, they went places. Like, right. there, were campa- there were campaigns, there were things happening. Um, mm-hmm. And a big part of that uh, was for us, um, and I wonder if this is part of why I tend to not gravitate that much towards Dungeons & Dragons. Because once that happened, we had kind of, like, stopped playing D&D. So I think it was kind of like a like you know like in hindsight you, you could play um, you could play a perfectly fine campaign with AD and D you know done it later uh, right. but at the time it was just kind of like by the time we wore out on that or got bored with and wanted new things uh, was also the time when everyone started being a little less shit at role playing and a little less shit at running games <laughs> so it kind of um, I remember we found like the original Warhammer uh, role play book which left a huge impression because it was this like piss and puke stained like uh, fantasy world with like demons and you know yeah. like, <laughs> it was a big deal uh, that made, made a big impact um, uh, we got into like the white wolf stuff I remember getting a copy of uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse and it blew our fucking minds because um, <laughs> it was like holy shit dude there's this game and you can like play a werewolf and you can like throw a car and look at this and here's the book and you can see the he's like stabbing the dude in the guts and it's gnarly <laughs> right. you know like that game became legendary in our minds and, uh, f- I remember specifically a friend of mine had this binder of photocopies and it turned out in hindsight it was a mixture of like three different rule books that he had kind of like gotten photocopied so they almost made up a game but it didn't include any of like the basic stuff how to play and he could remember <laughs> like a few things of it uh, but we had the page with how to create characters we had all the like powers so I remember we would like make characters that we would try to play and we were so fucking stoked about this game and there was like a period of like a month or so where we would play this maybe a couple months we would play this like uh almost like we would try to like piece together the rules for how we thought the game might work and we would play mm-hmm. this what werewolf the apocalypse would be like in our heads if we had read like three pages of the book of the <laughs> the world sure uh, and then finally somebody like i don't remember it might have been me it may not have been I actually got a hold of a, the rule book and we we're like, and then it was all over. Like we played White Wolf for like a couple of years just straight. Uh, this was like the high school leading into college time where like, mm-hmm. you could get together like every weekend and play games um, yeah. or drink or do both. I'm not advocating underage drinking, but that was a lot of drinking when I was 16. Well, yeah, that's also <laughs> Denmark. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely completely uh, different. Yeah, uh, I don't specifically condo- recommend or condone it, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so White Wolf was the big one. Werewolf in particular, and their sci-fi game Trinity, which like nobody remembers. Um, but so Warhammer White Wolf, uh, we got into GURPS at the time, but we never played like long campaigns. It was always mm-hmm. like, oh, let's run like a game where we're all like cyborgs or something, and then we would make mm-hmm. characters. Uh, but White Wolf and Warhammer was the two that like um, really like became like long-running campaigns where we had characters that had like relationships in the world they were all like stupid 
but you know, like you had NPCs you dealt with, you had like the weapons dealer you could go to, and you had like mm -hmm. specific characters that had like recognizable personalities in a in a campaign. Um, and actually, I remember we went back to DOD for a while, um, kind of as a nostalgia trip, and then we just ended up keep playing it for like a, almost a year. Uh, but yeah, so that was kind of like the settling in uh, of, and then after that, you know, like the world explodes because you suddenly are like you have money and you're an adult and yeah free to <laughs> check out everything yeah you know and like um i'm very prone to being like fascinated by random cool shit i see on the internet <laughs> uh, but that was kind of like the big thing and the big piece of fantasy literature that i think sort of like cements for me the difference between like being my youth youth influences and like adult influences because i read it in uh, high school when i was mm -hmm. 17 18 uh was the memory sorrow and thorn series by I want to say Ted Williams, but I might get the name wrong. Hmm. Uh, it was one of the like original like mega fantasy series. It's only three books, maybe it's four, uh, but they're all like eight, nine hundred pages. Uh, they were a specific influence on J.R.R. Martin. Yeah, Ted uh, Williams does not mess around. <laughs> yeah, they were massive. Uh, I've tried, I've reread it uh, or tried, and like you're halfway through, like. 500 pages into the first book and it's just like the main character walking around a castle and seeing <laughs> things in great detail um <laughs> it's incredibly like evocative but you're you definitely have to like a buckle down yeah <laughs> uh, but i read through those our english teacher in high school had the books and he had lent them to myself and my friend daniel he was a like a really cool guy who was like you guys are really smart uh you can read english good like here read those um cool. i remember that we told him we were into Dragonlance, and he laughed at us because he thought it was shit <laughs> <laughs> so i think he was trying to show us that the world was bigger than some dnd license stuff um, right right and those books left a huge impact and it, it was one of those things because there was only two me and one of like my, my friend daniel who had read them in mm -hmm. our like whole circle so it became this like inside thing because uh, nobody else wanted to sit through like fucking 2,000 pages of this stuff sure. uh, so it was like a thing that we had specifically we could talk about these characters and stuff that nobody else mm -hmm. so that was cool but that was yeah. like the dividing moment for me like after mm -hmm. that it's all like adult shit sure oh let's see I think for like in my little town, we got to a point where we really mastered uh, second advanced second edition D and D. So we just plowed ahead for that with that for quite a while. Like Shadowrun was brought in mm -hmm. a bit, um, and that was cool. Like I, but yeah. Uh, we had one friend who was really into Shadowrun, and we played a little bit just to appease him, but the rest of us didn't like it, so we never mm. got to play it as much as I think, like, in hindsight, I would have really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, like, I, I still don't get why they decided they had to throw in the fantasy aspects with it, like, op open up the portal stuff that never has, and oh, you know, yeah, it doesn't work like... for me. <laughs> too much. Mm. Uh, um let's see i don't know like really kind of cementing i i think like everything slowly kind of kept expanding in like the same direction just for like uh -huh. being a kid 
going onward. Like, there's no, like, aha moment. It was just like, oh, yeah, of course there's, like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, it all was, like, a lot of the formative like a, stuff. just fluid, like, uh, um, evolution. Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Like, it just, like, I would just find more complicated, uh, nuanced stuff, like, as mm-hmm. I got older, and it just all kind of, it or fit bring together. New ideas, bring new ideas into it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I guess they're, like, in my, like, mid-twenties, I stumbled upon, like, Stephen R. Donaldson, and that's, like, a... Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I think that's a weird little side tributary uh-huh. of, of what fantasy can be that probably does not appeal to, like, 95% of the people that read that stuff. Is like, <laughs> But I, I, I look for that sort of thing. Let's see, there's, uh-huh. like, uh, when I was like 18, I went to the library and found like the first Dark Tower book, and the, like the first couple, uh, uh-huh. the first couple of those are really great. Yeah, I only read I think two, maybe three of them. Um, again, I don't know if that was just the ones I could get a hold of or not, or if I lost interest in it. Uh, I remember as a teenager, I read a lot of science fiction, um, mm-hmm. none of which I remember like titles of. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because, again, like, I usually read them under a completely different title anyway. Right, um, right. And it seemed to me that it was harder to get, for me at least, to get a hold of, like, fantasy uh, novels. Mm. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't remember seeing, like, Michael Moorcock or Jack Vance. Uh, they may have been there. Um, I remember reading, uh, there was a fair bit of Scandinavian, like, kind of historical fiction. Uh, and I remember reading sense. a fair amount of that, you know, like, uh, set in... Uh, Viking like mania wasn't so much a thing at the time, um, hmm. but yeah, like sort of medieval, like uh, you know, and a lot was kind of aimed for kids. I'm sure it was supposed to be kind of educational, like oh, mm-hmm. here's like this king, and here's the story about what it would be like to like roll around with that dude. Sure, <laughs> you know. So there was a lot of that, um, but you know, yeah, it was just. Um, but it's such a weird time, too, because, uh, like, growing up pre-internet, uh, you know, le- like, that was the last time when, like, your access to things like that was ever limited. Yeah, you know? and that's probably why we stuck with Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. for for the most part. Like, if I, I think... I remember the first time I saw a real gaming store as opposed to a bookstore that had a few games, and it blew Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, oh, my God. Like, I remember seeing... I wish I had uh, been in a position to, like, badger my mom for money for this. Because I remember there was a gaming store in a town we were in for a short while. And um, uh, the owner there uh, was really... I don't remember why. There was a period where I was out of school. Um, I think we had moved... I don't remember. Like, I think we had moved or something. And, like, something with, like, getting registered took a while. So there was, like, a while where, like, I there was nobody I could play with because, like, everyone was in school. And so right. during the day, um, and, like, growing up in Denmark in the 80s, like, kids could just wander around. Um, <laughs> so I would, like, go down to the gaming store, and the old geezer down there, um, either he was bored or he took pity on, like, a bored kid. And he would just, like, let me sit and, like, paw through the books as long as I didn't, like, mess with anything. Cool. And and I remember seeing, like, the RuneQuest box set. Uh, and you've seen the the copy that I have 
yeah. which it isn't this one, but it's the same. It was the same box. It had like the two kind of like Viking looking characters on the front, mm-hmm. and the back has this like uh, pencil drawing of like people riding through this wasteland. And I remember just sitting and gazing at that, and I couldn't see the books because it was like string wrapped. But in my mind, that was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. You know, it just had this cool like. Uh, realistic kind of look to it you know they all look like they wore real armor like even as a kid you kind of understand like you know the spiky armors aren't really real right you know so i just wish that i had somehow gotten a hold of that as a as a kid as opposed to like much later (laughs) um but yeah, like seeing an actual gaming store that had like all these things, you know, like seeing like mm-hmm. all early Warhammer stuff and on the shelves, it was <laughs> it like blew my mind, you know, like, oh my God, all this stuff is there. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. You know, I remember uh, getting my first copy of like a White Dwarf magazine and like seeing all that stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like nowadays, like nobody's ever going to, like, anyone who grew up like from like 99, 2000 onwards, that experience just doesn't exist. And I'm not saying it's, it was better or worse. It's just like a unique time of growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, like those were, uh, <laughs> you know, you had access to what you, so one of your friends had or what you saw in a store and could like talk your parents into or you had enough like yep. pocket money. Right, right. <laughs> it, everyone was making do and you kind of, when you get a chance to go out and hunt for stuff, you go pretty wild or mm-hmm. yeah. We did, you know, you really like dig like this is the one chance we have to like try to get a hold of these things. So we got to uh, make the best of it. We can. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, being um, uh, I remember the same thing for like buying uh, CDs when I got into music, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of times you didn't know if the band was any good. So <laughs> I remember like picking CDs just because the cover, the album mm-hmm. art was, uh, was cool. And then you like uh, this kind of sucks, but I'm gonna, like this was like two months allowance. I'm going to listen to it anyway. Right, right. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, you know, books were like that too. Uh, I remember getting AD&D books that I had a lot of, like the brown, like complete series, like the complete fighter and all yeah. those. Nice. And and a lot of those were pretty good. But I remember like sitting and reading as as kids. I remember like all the sections of the book that was like about how to role play your character. We thought was stupid. Like why didn't they just put more spells in the book? Sure. <laughs> you know, like in hindsight, that was like the good stuff. You know. <laughs> right. But, you know, like you had paid like a month's uh, with an allowance or whatever. You wanted some some uh, payoff. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't put uh, my money on the counter for my fighter not to get better. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't want this fluffy, like, motivational, yeah. like, source. Yeah. I, I know, right? Like, I already know how to talk to this, my character. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> I don't care about regional politics and geography. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was just like, you know, just kind of like being like the last of that generation, really. Mm. You know, sort of an, an odd experience that you're just not going to have again. And I mean, it's, you know, it's universally like better now. Like, there's so many cool things out there and you can actually have access to them. You yeah. Know, like, I can't imagine what being an indie writer was like in like 85. You got to try and get into like publication. And that's, <laughs> you know, so. It's better now, uh, but it is one of those things you kind of like think about like a little wistfully, like there was kind of like a simplicity to that time, you know, like there wasn't the, you know, we didn't debate about, at least we didn't, um, about which of like 12 games to play because we owned two. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> right. So, I think people know. might have some like concepts of like, well, I about how they would prefer to role play, but it was always very like localized. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, getting um, there was a Danish RPG magazine called Saga, and again, they had copies at the library. And I remember, like, they would mostly talk about, like, DoD and Dungeons and & Dragons. So when they had an adventure, they would always, like, put stats for both. Mm. Um, but I remember, like, they would have references to these other games. They would never, it would always be like, you know, somebody would write a letter to the magazine who would be like, blah, 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 Call of Cthulhu. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that might be like. You know, they would have, like, that grainy photocopy, like, ad copy for some game, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like, the original Star Wars RPG or something. And it's, you know, yeah, like, you're looking at the page and, like, wow, I bet that would be really cool. I have never seen this in my life, and I won't for another 10 years, but I don't know that. <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just, like, everyone just grew up with different things. Like, I know people who started with Rifts. That was their first game. Uh, and they that was like their formative experience with all the rifts. Um, you know, my wife, her real formative gaming experience was White Wolf. Um, hmm. You know, so like people just have this, uh, which is why I wanted to kind of have this talk. And, uh, you know, everyone has like these different formative uh, experiences. And I think that's still the case, even though Dungeons and Dragons kind of like dominates everything now. You know? Yeah. Like, you're not going to have anyone coming up now who's like, oh, yeah, like, I got started with Rollmaster. Like, that's right. You know, like, <laughs> conceivably, that could happen in the 80s. Like, your parents go to the store and buy you a box, and they see this blue box set. And like, oh, this one says it's for advanced players. Like, let's get that one for our kid. <laughs> right, you know? he's smarty. <laughs> yeah, you know, or you get, like, the Middle Earth box. That's was maybe more, uh, more realistic. Uh, sure. But, yeah, you know, like, that's probably not really the case anymore, but I'm sure there is someone out there who's, like, their first RPG experience is going to be, like, the One Ring or something, you know? Cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it took me a while to actually get my... I, I had, like, all the all this other source, and I wanted to play games, but it took a while mm -hmm. to actually get a hold of them. So mm -hmm. I was a little behind on that, and then we stuck with what we had. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We went a long time. Like, um, there was a long time where it was just, like, the three AD&D second edition books. Like, yeah. um, a friend of mine was, uh, he was kind of like the rich kid, um, but he wasn't a dick. Uh, so <laughs> his parents got him, like, um, almost any books that uh, he wanted. So that was, it was good to hang out with that dude. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so we were lucky in that sense, but there was a long stretch. Um, that was a long stretch where, like, literally just like playing Hero Quest in like my friend's barn <laughs> was our main form of gaming. <laughs> we would just like sit on the bar, uh, or it was like a hay, like, um, like a big co concrete building where they would store hay and mm -hmm. just like sit on the floor out there and play Hero Quest on the concrete floor until it got dark. Yeah, so can't go wrong there. I'd go I, back to Hero Quest. I actually got a copy again. I was so happy. Um, I was trying to find one, and they're insanely expensive. They're like well right. over hundred dollars on eBay. And uh, a guy I knew was like, "I have a copy, but I don't have room, and I don't get around to playing it. If you promise you're going to play it and not put it on eBay, I'll sell it to you for like fifty bucks." Oh, nice. So yeah, it's like I and I intended absolutely to hold on to it. Like it's on myself. We played it. Like the kid loved it. Um, but yeah, they're like way over a hundred dollars if you're trying to. There's supposed to be a reprint uh, with like new miniatures and stuff. That's so, what I've heard. Yeah. So, so that's exciting. Like I think yeah. it's a game that holds up pretty well with a few tweaks and changes. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it lays out the fundamentals for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can play it in like, you know, you can set it up and be playing in like 10 minutes and you can mm-hmm. play through an adventure or two in like a, a good long afternoon. Yeah. yeah that's great. <clears throat> so, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think that sort of nails all of these, a little bit of like a, a, a meandering, like a trip through time. And, you know, it's one of those things, like the longer you talk, the more stuff you can kind of like keep putting in like, oh, yeah, that was this thing, this thing. Right, um, right. But I want to yeah. just, just kind of like hit the the highlights of stuff that really like stands out. Like that was that was the beginning experiences for us. That was like stuff that might have been formative or might have like mm-hmm. informed the way we like look at things. Um, I don't think necessarily like your outlook on something like fantasy is nailed down at like twelve or whatever. Like I know mine <laughs> has been influenced later by you know reading Jack Vance and stuff like that. Um, yep. But in hindsight and thinking about it, I think a lot of my preferences and tastes, like I think the fact that uh, I grew up with these kind of like, uh, you know, um, like the artwork for like DoD was always very sort of realistic looking. Um, mm. Like like what if elves really exist, what if orcs really existed? It was like that. Mm. Uh, and I think that's kind of like influenced my uh, my interest in fantasy as more of a low fantasy, low magic kind of thing. Mm. Um, along with like Lone Wolf and Fighting Fantasy and stuff like that. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. 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 I'd say the same. Uh, I mean, for me, it would be like like what I brought up. Like, I, I get into the darker stuff. It's kind of funny to me that that's become a th- big thing with like The Witcher. Oh, and, like yeah, the Black yeah, yeah. Company came out and all that. Like,. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah, like, like a, now it's everywhere, right? Or like right. Malasan or even like Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was al- always there. It's just like, you know, like it takes a while, I guess, to like percolate through. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to see all how, <laughs> how that goes from like the Sword of Shannara and Lord of the Rings to like this, you know, the grim. Oh, yeah. At some <laughs> point, I, I The world is a treacherous magic. dark place. Right. <laughs> Uh, everyone says uh, drops f bombs. Um, <laughs> I keep waiting for like to swing back around. Everyone is like, ah, oh, that's like dark fantasy is for like kids and stupids. Like we gotta have like noble heroic epic storylines. That's what uh, sensible adults want. <laughs> like you know, because you know it's gonna like swing again. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine by me. I- I've had my share. I've got yeah, my death metal records too, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, with that, um, I think this is probably a good time to kind of uh, end the chat. I think we kind of covered a, a pretty good swath of life. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Um, this is probably also the time to cut it before we get too like self indulgent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I'll go through and maybe cut a little here and there to kind of tighten things up. But yeah. So, so with that. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this um, and maybe sit down and think about, like, what was your path through all of this? What did you read? Have you gone back and, like, revisited any of it? Mm-hmm. Do you want to or do you want to just leave it in the past? Well, I think it's it's interesting to think about that. Like, for me, when I think about this, I think about the themes that I gravitate towards and the themes that repeat that have always repeated themselves throughout like any mm-hmm. games I've run or like character choices I made. And it's kind of mm-hmm. cool to be able to consciously kind of interact with that and maybe redirect that in different ways. Yeah. Or, you know, like understand it better and just, you know, explore it more even. For sure. 
So, yeah, I think that's absolutely a, an important thing to be able to do. Yeah. Well, with that in hand, uh, as always, we appreciate folks uh, checking in and giving us a listen. Yeah, and it was an entire episode where nobody crapped on steampunk. Right. <laughs> or Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't game to Steve. Someday we'll do a follow-up episode talking about like the weird kids we did game with. <laughs> that, that might be some pathological things there. Uh, for now, have, have an excellent night. I hope uh, everyone is doing well and is safe. Yep. Yeah.